So today I want to talk about some painful uh, things that seem to go around this time of year. I, I, it's sort of like the ghost of Chris, Christmas past, you know, the, they'll like come up and remind you that somebody that you used to love is not in your life anymore, somebody that used to be in your life is no longer here, um, there could be sadness, there's memories, you know, it's a sweet mix of, you know, reminders of what Christmas is used to be and how, you know, remember as kids, it was just so free and you're just opening presents and it's innocent and, and then, um, then it gets complicated, life gets complicated and you get older and, and you just reflect back on it. It's really interesting to see that um, these ghosts of Christmas past uh, really, really are, are kind of real. Um, and, but a warning today that I could get a little bit, it's going to get a little bit heavy, but I hope that in a way it turns around at the end and you'll be able to see that there's hope for a way out of this issue when we talk about this deeply painful subject of shame, of shame. What it is, um, is it healthy? Is it something that we should be worried about? Is it you know, where does that, where does shame fit? And why are we talking about that in the, in the Advent season? I think it's really important because it's interesting that at Christmas, this, this issue seems to come up and people battle shame more than at other times in, during the year. And so I would describe shame as this. It's a soul crushing, identity warping emotion. Shame is a soul crushing, identity warping emotion. You know, if you think back in your childhood, some of you can remember moments, a story where you might have felt deep, real shame. So 16 years old and not a Christian yet and uh, experimenting with drugs and alcohol, as many do. And I uh, just give you a background of my parents' relationship. I, I was super close to my mom. My mom would have my back no matter what. She was my biggest cheerleader in life, uh, still is, super supportive. You know, my mom was and is just like one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And, and my dad and I, you know, he's my hero and everything, but we always had a difficult relationship. Kind of butt heads all the time and um, love my dad. But we, we went through some times, especially in this, in this time, we, we were always at each other. And so one day, I, uh, I was walking up the stairs, and my dad was walking up the stairs. I'm, no, I'm walking down the stairs. He's walking up the stairs, and as he passes me, he stops. He says, Scott, says, you've been drinking. I was like, first thing that popped into my mouth is like, no, dad, no, you know. And he says, yes, you have. And I said to him, no. So I bought into it a little bit further. And then, and he says, I can smell it on your breath. I said, like, I know you have, you know, you don't lie to me. And I was like, Dad, no, I, I didn't. I promise. It was, you know, and the first thing that popped in my mind was like, I, it, it was, it was mouthwash. It must have been Listerine. It's Listerine you're, you're smelling. It's not alcohol. And he goes, he goes, listen, I know more than you know. I've been around the block and I know enough to know that you are drinking. And, and so, so as my dad's getting angry at me for lying and my mom comes around the corner and this is where it gets worse. So my mom comes around the corner and, and she says, well, what's wrong? And dad says, your, our son, your son, has been drinking. And I, and, and I was like, no, and, and he's lying about it. And she says, and this is the worst part, she said, I believe Scott, if he says he hasn't, I trust him that he hasn't been doing that. And so, and then he really flipped out. Then he was like mad at me, but he was mad at her. And so now I'm sitting at the top of the stairs, standing at the top of the stairs, that my dad's in the middle, my mom's at the bottom of the stairs, and they start arguing with one another 
And I just felt so terrible about this because now they're arguing about something where I know I'm lying. Dad knows I'm lying. My mom is totally standing up for me and they're having it out. And finally, when it's all over, my dad just gives up because he realizes he's fighting a losing battle. And he looks at me and he just has the most disappointed look I've ever seen. He just, he just shrugged his shoulders and he said, shame on you. Just said, shame on you. I internalized that shame. It stuck with me. I can remember that moment like it was yesterday. What is shame? Is it different than guilt? Because guilt is kind of healthy sometimes. You know, if you, um, if you hurt yourself, that's pain. Pain is actually there to tell you something about your body. You, pain is a good thing. Pain is there to warn you that you might be, you know, your hand might be on something that's too hot. Or you might be like warping yourself into a position that you could break something. Or, you know, pain, pain can be healthy. But just as pain can be healthy, you know, a guilt can be actually healthy for you too. That could be an indication that something's really going wrong. But I think the distinct difference between guilt and shame is this. Guilt is a feeling that I have done bad, that I did bad. So guilt is um, I, I, I went out with some people I shouldn't have. I did some things that I shouldn't have. I woke up the next morning and I'm dealing with the consequences of it all and I feel really guilty. I feel really guilty. Or, you know, I, I, uh, I took some things from the office that I shouldn't have taken. Um, you know, I had a notepad that belonged to the company. I took it home. I'm writing on it. I look down. And I go, oh, my goodness. I feel so guilty I took this notepad. You know, the guilt is, a, guilt is a good function. It's a function. It's a healthy function. But shame is not that. Shame is not I did bad. Shame is I am bad. I am bad. There's a huge difference. I did bad. And I am bad. But what do we do? See, the thing is what we do is we connect those two. We connect the what to the who. In other words, we say, you know, I did bad, therefore I am bad. We're connecting what we did with who we are. We're saying, you know, I, he rejected me, so therefore I am worthless. We're connecting the, the, the what we did with the who we are. And so we're conflating guilt and shame by making this connection. We do that all the time. And some of you guys, you know, if you're like me, um, y- you have things in your past where, like, like my story, where even though they occurred before I was even a Christian, I'll still, I still carried the shame into my adult life. Uh, maybe some of you guys are carrying a secret. It's, perhaps it's an addiction. You don't want anybody to know. You've been embracing the, the shame that you're a horrible person, carrying that around. Someday you'll get to it. Someday you'll figure it out. But right now you're just an addict. You're, you're a horrible person. Maybe you told a lie like I did. And you've carried that lie. And you, you feel like, I am bad because of what I did. I did wrong, therefore I am bad. Maybe you're a Jesus follower. You love Jesus. You want to you wanna grow in him. You, you want to be a better Christian. But you're engaged in this secret life. You've been looking at things that you know are wrong, that you shouldn't be. You're living in a secret world of lust. And you, you're beginning to feel like not just that I'm doing bad, but that you are a bad person, that you're a dirty person, that you're a worthless person, that you're a hopeless person. Maybe some of you guys are living in a, a situation where you have a sexual past that in your mind, the narrative, is if, the narrative is if they knew about my sexual past, they couldn't look me in the eye. They wouldn't let me serve because I'm dirty. You're consumed with shame, not, over, not just guilt over what you did, not that you did bad, but shame because you feel like you are, are bad. And you begin to internalize connecting the what with the who. You even put names to it, words on it. I am a defect. 
I am damaged. I am broken. I am flawed. I'm dirty. I'm ugly. I'm impure. I'm disgusting. I'm unlovable. I am weak. I am pitiful. I'm insignificant. I am unwanted. I am worthless. Those are hard words to hear, but that's the narrative that some of those, uh, those things will play through our mind. And I want to address really quickly the difference between two things, and that is what I am bad means versus I am sinful. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature and choice. That means we are born into this world with rebellious hearts, rebellious toward God. Sin entered into the world and infected the human race. The Bible says that it, it infected creation. And we are all in this together, in this disease called sin. We were born into it. We chose it. We want it. We do it. All of us do it. And so, so that's a fact. We are sinners. And it's by nature and choice. It's just we are. But there's a huge difference between that, which comes out of the fall in Genesis 3. But what a lot of people will do and do wrongly, I believe, is they begin with Genesis 3 and the fall of man, but they don't look at 1 and 2, Genesis 1 and 2, which is um, that God created man, what? In his own image. In his own image. God created us uh, not as mistakes, but purposefully as the apex of creation that we might worship him and be in community with him. Sin messed it all up, but we are still fundamentally, yes, we are sinners, but you cannot say that we are worthless. If you believe that God innately has given every human being from the very moment they are conceived the potential of life and that those of us who are alive today are living because we have a purpose and we are innately endowed by our creator with this imago dei, the image of God in us, then we are not worthless, we are not insignificant, we are not pitiful, we are not disgusting, unlovable, or any of that stuff. So I just want to cover the difference between I am bad and I am sinful. Shame is a very real emotion. And I want to allow it actually this morning to be real for just a little while longer. And then I want to take us in to a hopeful place. How real, I mean, it's just crazy how real the, the thinking that's behind shame can get. I mean, it, well, I call it shame-based thinking. And when, you, when your identity is colored by the thing that you did, and then you start to embrace a negative view of who you are, right? So you're connecting the two. You adopt this shame-based mindset. You start to, th- to think like a shameful person. How does, it, how does it impact us? Number one, I think sometimes it has to do, we become really vulnerable to imperfectionism, or to perfectionism, rather. And we attempt to do this. We want to silence our shame with an error-free performance. I've got to do everything perfectly. We be, it becomes really, really difficult for some of us to ever admit that we failed. Trust me, there's many of us that are living in that world. We have to perform. We have to be perfect. Another way that shame-based thinking can, can be detrimental to us is we become really critical of us, and then it turns around and makes us really critical of others. What happens is we see that our own faults are real, We begin to look at them, and then we mirror them in other people. We become judgmental of others as we see those faults in ourselves. They perceive us then as arrogant and self-righteous. It's not a good look for Christians, by the way. It's not a good look for those who understand the deep reality of forgiveness. 
to go around judging and pointing fingers and drawing battle lines with the world, I don't think that's a good look because um, we've been forgiven much because we are loved much. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you might observe this, like an angry or critical person, so often that person is dealing with a very dark and real shame, a secret shame. And, and, and they're critical because it's, they're reflecting their own weakness. Another way that shame can manifest itself, this one is huge, is in self-defeating thoughts. Um, and, and what that does, I believe, is it creates a, th- this protection uh, around us. And it's a form of protection and escape. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. So um, it, what happens is we focus on the worst possible outcome. And we might say things to ourselves like, hey, it's, this is, it's never going to happen for me. I'm never going to get, I'm never going to have, I'm never going to be in a relationship. They're never going to like me. Um, I'm never going to amount to anything. We start to basically kill off any positive attributes about ourselves. And we just use self-defeating thoughts. People get in this habit and it's, it becomes self-fulfilling. And through our own self-defeating thoughts then, we end up sabotaging opportunities. We end up sabotaging relationships all around us because it could never happen. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. And this is why, this is why you know, Christmas can be so crazy as we get into the season because it's like we're sitting at the dinner table and mom or dad, they're, they're lashing out. It seems to be no reason at all, but they could be dealing with some internal identity warping shame. They really could be. Just heads up. Maybe you have in-laws and they're maybe picking at you about the way that you're raising your kids. You shouldn't do it that way. You shouldn't do this way. I don't know why you let Johnny do this. I don't know why you like, you know, whatever. You know, and you're like, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Well, they may be feeling inadequate about how they raise their kids and they find a mirror in you. What do you do then? What, what do you do then? Do you, you might become hypercritical then of others. And why? Because you're deeply critical of yourself. You're reflecting an inward warped identity, battling with shame. So today, that's the introduction. And today what I want to do is take you through what the Bible has to say about shame and some ideas there. And my, de- my deepest prayer is this, that our God would do a healing work and set so many people free from this dark and devastating and real emotion of shame. I want God to set us free. I want God to heal us. And my prayer comes out of Isaiah 54, where God is speaking to Israel. But I want you to hear this as he is speaking it to you as well. Isaiah 54, 4, he says, Do not be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth. How is it that a Jesus follower can be completely free of past shame? How is it that I can be completely free of shame? 1 John 1, 9 says, in regards to my sins, in regards to my failing him, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. We know that, right? This is head knowledge. We all know this. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that he is faithful to forgive. The good news is, is that in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. God separates you from your sin as far as the metaphorical east is from the west, which is like infinitely. That you will see it no more. We will have contact with it no more. Your sin is gone. 
We know that Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know that. You know that. Our good God forgives you and remembers your sin no more. But if our God is, listen, if our God is that good and his forgiveness is that real, why do we continue to live in shame? Now, if you're a Jesus follower and you know up here this truth, <coughs> excuse me, in your head, why do you not embrace it in your heart? You know it, why do you not embrace it? The truth is it can be very, very difficult to overcome shame. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that I would anticipate today at this moment. You will lay down your shame and never feel it again. But I do believe that today could be a turning point for you to begin to experience healing in this area because it can be part of our identity. We've said it so many times. I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. I'll never do that. I never deserve it. I don't deserve it. We've said it over and over again. It can become a part of our identity. And how this works is I want to use a story out of the Bible. Um, are you familiar with the story of the Old Testament where God's people are uh, in Egypt for 430 years as slaves in the land of Egypt? You guys know that story, right? Okay, so children of Israel, I, by the way, stop for a second and think about 430 years. How long is that? Longer than America has existed as a nation by, by a long shot. Like pretty much back to around the time of, you know, the, the, the Mayflower, you know, that's a long, long time. And, and since that time, God's people are in bondage. They're, they're making bricks with straw. They're, they're working for the Egyptians. And now can you imagine that you're enslaved, not just you, but your parents were enslaved. Your grandparents were enslaved. Your great-grandparents were enslaved. Decade after decade, century after century, and it gets to be a part of your identity. It's the who I am. I am a brick-making slave. And if you know the story, God raised up then Moses in this story, and, and Pharaoh finally released the people of, of Israel out of Egypt, and they were out of bondage. And immediately they head out into the wilderness and wandered around for 40 years. But here's the thing. While they were freed outwardly, they weren't in bondage anymore. Most were then in bondage internally, inside. They were in, as a slave to their identity and their past. Though they were, you could say though, they were out of Egypt. Egypt was still kind of in them. The whole mindset was in them. This is the problem that so many of us have. We know that Jesus has made us new. But in our hearts, because our identity is not yet grounded in Christ, we are still polluted we are still reaching out to and attached to the past. Basically, it's this. We're believing something that God says we are not. We believe we're in bondage when God says we're free. When I was replaying in my mind over and over again, and by the way, with that uh, conversation on the stairwell, I, I recounted that to my parents about 15 years ago, and I told them, you know, of course, they remembered it, and I, I said, yeah, yeah, I was lying, and my mom was like, what? You know, um, no big deal, but, but, it, but it was interesting that I carried that shame with me well into, uh, you know, into like my 30s. It was kind of sad, right? Even though I'd been set free from that, I didn't, you know, God had forgiven me for that. I'd still kept the shame of it up until that point. And, and I'm honestly, still a little ashamed of it. And, and so why is that? Why is it? Because we're believing something that God says that you are not. That's the problem. That is a problem, right? 
And so my unhealthy, distorted view of myself then can take control. Let me just share with you about a struggle that I've had. I try to be open and honest about my own life. And, um, you know, when I'm living in a shame-based mindset, when I'm thinking about those things that, I, for me, it's this. I always say, I'm, I'm not enough. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm inadequate. That's the kind of uh, self-narrative that sometimes will take over for me. And, I, and I've, I've, I've talked to people about it. I've talked to counselors. I've talked to uh, mentors, people that are in my life. And it's been tremendously helpful as God has really worked through that in me. And it's this kind of idea of like, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And the mindset that I'm talking about is, honestly, it has held me back, I think, in many opportunities. And the way I've discovered and worked through this with these mentors and people that have had my back and helped me work to understand is that a lot of it was the environment I was raised in. I was trying to fix some things in my family and in my life that I was not able to fix. I was never going to fix them. And I, I became like overly responsible. I'm just this, that's the way I handle things. And since I couldn't fix them, it really confirmed the idea that I was inadequate. And the shame cycle really kind of developed in me that I, I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. So as one that's vulnerable to perfectionism, I started then to kind of perform my way to acceptance, to, to do all the right things, to make enough money, to be good enough that people would notice and accept me. And, and how does that affect even my life today? So, so as we fast forward to today, here's where I could get into trouble, right? I lead a church. Uh, the church is growing. People are getting saved. People are, you know, responding to the gospel. And I really feel like Jesus is doing a work here at Venture Church. But every day I realize, too, that I have a potential for disappointing so many people. That's just the way life is in ministry. You can't please everybody. Sometimes you're going to disappoint family. Often it will be the church. Sometimes it will be um, people outside the church, my friends. And, and I just know that I can't do, I can't fix, then reinforces this shame idea that I'm not good enough. And, and what I've had to do is step back and say that that's not my calling. My calling is not about being good enough for everyone else. My, my calling is to get up fearlessly to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and realize that he is good enough. And so today I want to ask you an honest question. What is it for you? I mean, if I can share honestly, I guess, I guess you can too. What is it for you that, that you might say, here's where my shame takes me? If you're honest right now, here's where my shame takes me. What really, really matters? What is the solution to all this, right? I want to posit to you this. The only way to, shield from, to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I am not to who Christ is. I'll say it again. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus on what I am not to who Christ is. And by the way, that is not to say that you are not a person of deep introspection and self-honesty, that you don't reveal and sit down, you know, and be honest with yourself about who you are and where you're going. Those are very valuable things. But the truth is, is that who Christ is tells you more about yourself than who you are not. And when you're focused on yourself, you're going to come short, come up short time and time again. You're going to disappoint yourself. If you think something bad about yourself, you know, the truth is, it might be true. You know, if you're saying like, I'm a bad person. Well, I'm not going to, you know, get into your business, but yeah, you, you know, you, you probably are. <laughs> um, I'm inadequate. Yo, guess what? Right again. 
You know, um, you need help, and so do I. If you say, like, I'm pathetic. Hey, I hate to be rude, but you know, sometimes, honestly, maybe you kind of are. But the, tr the, the, the truth about who you are isn't so much important as to say this. Who I am is got to be replaced with who Christ is because he is the solution to our shame. And, and so I want us to, in this moment, get to work and say, then look at our lives and honestly, like, have the courage to open up. Let your guard down a little bit. I know we come to church and our guard's way up because this is, this is church time, right? We're in church people around church time. And I want you to say, like, I'm going to let God, in a moment of honesty, say, I need help with healing in my shame. And I'm just going to begin to write down those things where I believe that my shame is getting in the way of it. And, and for you, it'll look like this. You want to write out the words, I am not, and then a blank. And you can fill it in with a number of things that you feel is your shame issue. Maybe it's, I am not bad. I am not broken. I am not disgusting. I am not inadequate. And then as you work through this, you can replace those things by opening up your Bible and by talking with other people. And hopefully what it'll look like is this, because of Christ, I am. And then you have that blank. And what it can look like is this. So I am not bad. I am forgiven. I am not broken. I'm a new creation. You, get, you can begin to take the shame of I feel disgusting with because of Christ, I am loved. Because of Christ, he freed me on the cross. Because of Christ, he transformed me. You think, I am inadequate. I can never do enough. Then you begin to put your eyes on Jesus, and then all of a sudden it's Christ is more than enough. He is all that I need. He is everything to me. You see, the children of Egypt uh, uh, the children of Israel, as they were led out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. And finally, they got to a place on the edge of the promised land where they repented, they were circumcised, they obeyed God. And then in Joshua 5, 9, one of the most beautiful sections of Scripture, right after they'd all gotten circumcised, and the Bible says they were recovering. Okay. <laughs> and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt from you. When you get into the promised land, I'm going to roll away the shame of Egypt from you. They had been out of Egypt. Egypt was still in them. They were still shameful about it. Today at this moment, there is no more shame. If you're in Christ Jesus and your sins are forgiven, your story could be full of things that you would never want anybody to know. You're carrying deep secrets and that is okay. Today at this moment, there's no shame. Someone may have said, like my dad said to me, shame on you. Now because of God, shame was on you. Now off you, in Jesus' name. And as a response, I would ask how many of you guys, just in your own private head space, heart space, would say, yeah, I have some shame. I want healing from God. I want to take the focus off of me and I want to put it on Christ. I don't want to focus on my sin, my, my shame. I want to focus on who he is. You see, when we come to Jesus, it's, it's like this. What I have to offer you, Jesus, is yourself. I have to offer you, you know, what I have to offer you is what you have given me and that's all I have. You know, we can't even talk to Jesus. We can't even talk to the Father without Jesus, right? The Bible says that he's an intermediary. We can't, the Holy Spirit is, an, is a helper inside of us so that we can even talk to God. Otherwise, you know, we could go back to the 
to the uh, temple tabernacle system where we'd have to have intermediaries and priests and only one person could do it on one day of the year. And even then, if he had any sin or was ritually or ceremonial unclean, he would just die and wouldn't even get to be with God. And like now we can approach, maybe the Bible says, like the, uh, the throne room of God. And we do this because of him. And so if we get our eyes on him, it puts who we are into perspective. I don't know about you, but I want a, I want a God perspective of who I am that begins as he intended in Genesis 1, creating us with a purpose that we might love him as the apex of creation, walk in the cool of the garden with him, in relationship with him, and then sin entered the world. And that's the reality that we are in today. And I want to say this. Not here to say that your sin doesn't matter, but I'm here to say this, that your shame, if it is forgiven, you need to deal with it so you can be free of it. So in your relationship with God, you can move forward. In this Christmas season, I want you to walk without shame through it. I want you to begin to deal with your shame in an honest way before God. And, And again, the way to do it is, is get your eyes off of what you are not and put them on who Christ is, on who Christ is. Let's pray together. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we thank you for your goodness. So we thank you for your amazing grace that you poured out onto us. I know this is a painful for time of the year for so many people. Um, Lord, remembering things that happened, things that we did, relationships that are broken. It's part of our story. And we can meet the goodness, though, of Jesus in this place, in this, in his presence here in this room today. God, let healing begin as we begin to take our focus off of the things that we are not and put them on who you are. God, maybe there's those in here this morning that are just crying on the inside. They're, they're broken. They're, that The shame is real. It's intense. And God, give us powerful words to fill in those blanks that I am not, but yet because of Christ, I am. Empower us to take the focus off of ourselves in Jesus' name. Everybody said...